0: This is the New Song Church podcast. You're listening to a service from our church in Oklahoma City. Wherever you're at today, we hope this helps you to better know God and to practice the way of Jesus. Now here's the message. Good to have you with us today. We're beginning a brand new series called How to Pray. And for the next several weeks, we're going to be looking at uh, what it means to become a person of prayer. And I'm super excited about this series uh, beyond the fact of of the potential that this holds for you individually, what this holds for us as a church, I, I really do believe that that prayer is powerful and impactful and meaningful. And I, I believe as we take these, this journey, as we go on this journey together over the next several weeks, that God's going to show up in some in some mighty ways, and we're going to see a shift take place not only in our in our lives, in our homes, but also in our community. You believe that this morning, church? If you've been around New Song Church for a while, you probably heard a little bit about my story. For those of you who don't know, uh, I grew up in a Christian home. I had Christian parents. Um, and beyond that, I had parents that were in the ministry. And so I was at church all the time. I was in prayer services all the time. And then beyond that, I had a, a mom who's here this morning, who uh, was what you would call in, the, in church circles, you would call her a prayer warrior, right? Prayer warrior. Uh, she was an intercessor, still is an intercessor to this day. And so it was, it was a regular occurrence in our home that like prayer meetings were taking place in our home. Uh, sometimes my dad would be traveling because he was traveling, doing ministry at different places sometimes. And while he was gone, mom would hold like these prayer meetings in the home. Like she'd bring over some some gals and it was like a regular thing in our home that I, like I'm playing Sonic the Hedgehog and I can hear like some women down in the den just getting it, like praying, Right. And, you know, I leave my, my room to go grab a bowl of honeycomb or something. And they're like, get in here. And they're laying hands on me, praying for me like this is this is just my upbringing. So so prayer is something I, I, I knew about, obviously, but it's really honestly it's been in the last few years that I've really learned and grown from understanding what it means to be a person who prays to being a person of prayer. And there is a difference. And let me illustrate it this way. Um, there's a big difference between like me going into my backyard grabbing a football and kind of tossing it around every once in a while with my kids versus someone who is a football player, like a professional football player, a person who plays football for their occupation. Like their life is built around playing football. And it's not just something they do every once in a while. It's like every decision they make, everything that they do, what they eat, their diet, like everything revolves around this is who I am. And so this is what I do. And this is what I build my life around. And I believe one of the things God wants to do in our church and in your life is move you from being a person who maybe just kind of throws some prayers around every once in a while to being a person of prayer, a praying person who's building your life and the structure of your life and the disciplines and practices of your life around that I am a person who prays. You know, God wants you to be a praying person, God wants you to be a person. Of prayer. The Bible has so much to say about prayer, obviously. In Thessalonians 5:17, we're told to pray continually. In Ephesians 5 or 6 verse 18, Paul talking to the church of Ephesus, says this, "Pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying. In Colossians 4 verse2, Paul talking to the church of Colossae, says this. He says, "Devote yourselves to prayer." In Luke 18, Jesus teaches a parable. And before this parable, it tells us in verse 1 the reason for him giving this parable. Jesus told his parable, verse 1, uh, Luke 18, told a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. God wants you to be a person of prayer like Jesus. You know, Jesus was a person of prayer. Now think about that for a moment. We're talking about Jesus, right? Jesus, who is the Son of God, who is God was a person of prayer. We see in his life a, a disciplined life built around, structured around him having times where he would get away to connect with God and, and to pray. R.C. Sproul says this about Jesus, prayer was the heartbeat of the life of Jesus, the hinge upon what, which all other activities turned. Billy Graham says, when you study the life of Jesus, you can't help but be struck by his commitment to prayer. He was often found in solitary places seeking the Father's guidance and strength we, we see prayer all over the life of Jesus before launching his ministry Jesus goes into the wilderness where for 40 days he's fasting and, and he's praying before he chooses his his disciples the Bible tells us in Luke 6 that he prayed all night when he heard the news about John the Baptist being executed uh, Matthew 14:13 says he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place to pray when, when Jesus ministry was growing you know he's healing people he's he's ministering he's speaking in such a way that crowds of people are now following Him, and there's the pressure of having all these people follow you around all the time. Mark 6 46 tells us he would escape up on a mountainside to pray in the Garden of Gethsemane before going to the cross under immense pressure to the point that he's sweating drops of blood. The Bible makes it clear that in that moment he's praying and inviting the disciples to pray. And as he goes to the cross, as he's on the cross, facing Not only the physical torment that was the cross, but the spiritual torment of having the sins of the world poured out upon him. We see that Jesus was a person of prayer. If you study the life of Jesus, you're going to find that he prayed and he prayed and he prayed and he prayed. And it didn't just end with Jesus. We see in the New Testament church that they were continually in prayer. We see Peter going to the city of Joppa and, and receiving a vision while in a season of prayer that, 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 that helps him to, to take the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ and bringing, bring it to the Gentiles. I'm glad that Peter prayed that prayer. I'm a Gentile. I needed that prayer, right? Yes. We see Paul after, he's con- after his conversion in prayer, and we see him writing letter after letter to the New Testament churches that he's overseeing, telling them to stay in prayer, Here's what I want you to see. Prayer is not just for the desperate or the devout. It's not just a peripheral theme or an optional extra. It's not just for a certain time or a certain kind of person or a certain day in history. No, prayer is for today and prayer is for you. Look at the person Messiah and say, prayer is for, Pray is for you. So God wants you to be a person a person of prayer, and so there, there's this moment where the disciples come to Jesus, right? They're, they're watching, they're looking at the life of Jesus. They're seeing him go away to pray and they're seeing him come out of times of prayer and then moving in power and moving in, 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 in like words and wisdom and they're seeing what's taking place and so they come to Jesus and they ask him this question. One of the greatest questions ever asked, Lord, teach us to pray. And they ask him this question and his response to them is not, guys, you really should know this by now. Like, have you not been paying attention? What's wrong with you, you stupid idiots? No, you don't see that in the life of Jesus. You see him take them in and begin to give them and train them and teach them in this beautiful, simple prayer. And out of this, we see the disciples begin to move in powerful prayer throughout the New Testament. We see that they're praying and buildings are shaking. We see them praying and prisoners are being freed. We see them praying and cultural paradigms are changing. We see them praying and receiving revelation. We see them praying to the point that even while they're being martyred for their faith, they're praying for the people who are killing them. But understand this it wasn't automatic. Prayer isn't something that's just beamed into you the day that you make Jesus Lord of your life. How many of you noticed that, right? It's not just some inherent skill that you receive upon confessing Christ as your Lord and surrendering your life to him. No, they had to be trained. They had to be taught. And it all began for them when they asked the simple question unto the Lord, Lord, teach us to pray. And church, I just believe the Bible. And I believe what it says when it says stuff like Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I believe when it says stuff like he is no respecter of persons. I believe that the same commitment that God had and the same power that the disciples were able to move in, becoming people of prayer, when they were willing to follow their rabbi, when they were willing to practice the way of Jesus and become fully formed followers of him, following after him with everything they had, with a heart position that said, Lord, teach us to pray, they moved in powerful ways. And I believe that that is true for us Today if you believe that say amen. amen. And so what we want to do over the next uh, 6 weeks is we want to help you learn how to pray. Maybe you're here today and you've been praying for 50 years. I believe that there's new revelation God wants to give you and what prayer can look like. Maybe you're here today and you're brand new to this. Whatever whatever the case may be, I believe that it's out of this position, it's out of this heart, it's out of this faith that says, "Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, teach me to pray that God is going to bring new revelation to our church, to our life, and bring about the kind of change he wants to see his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So, so we're going to look at a lot during the next six weeks. We're going to look at these nine different paths of prayer, stillness, adoration, petition, intercession, perseverance, contemplation, listening, confession, and spiritual warfare. And we're going to do all this at, at the rhythm of this four-step rhythm. Pray, P-R-A-Y, pause, rejoice, ask, and yield. Now today, before I, I start this off, before we get into that acronym, before we start digging into some of those things, I simply want to start off just talking about the basics, bringing us back to the to the start and helping hopefully put you on the right path so that you can move beyond being a person who just throws some prayers around every once in a while to being a person of prayer. And by the way, uh, as you're leaving church today, we have these little cards for every one of you in here. They've got some resources on them, some different books, uh, podcasts. There's even stuff for kids on here to help you in this process as we go on this journey together to be people who have a heart position that says, Lord, teach us to pray. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. Everybody good. I know you lost yesterday, but we're over that now, right? You know, Kansas is a praying, praying. A lot, of, a lot of prayer revivals come out of Kansas, just saying. So maybe we need to, maybe we need to up our game a little bit, right? Let's pray and then let's talk about prayer. Lord Jesus, we ask you today to teach us to pray. Like we come to you with that simple request. We say, Lord, that we believe that you want to help us in in this journey of understanding this in a greater way, and so Lord, I pray that over the next over the next few minutes, as we look at your word, that you would just reveal it in a way that it, it can bring revelation to the to the seasoned prayer veteran in this room, that they would walk away having received something to the to the one who's brand new to faith and is just wanting to get started. God, I pray that wherever we are, wherever we find ourselves today, I pray that you would show up and you would speak to each. Individual person, each individual heart in this room. Lord, I pray that a Josh Blunt would disappear and that Jesus Christ would show up. We would have an encounter with you that changes our life. Lord, we want to leave different than how we came in and we thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I got three points for you this morning. Three things to keep in mind. You want to make prayer a regular practice in your life. If you want to become a person of prayer, number one, keep it simple. Number two, keep it real. Number three, keep it up. Keep it simple. Keep it real. Keep it up. Keep it simple. Why? Because life is complicated enough on its own, isn't it? There's a lot going on in life. And the reality is that if things are difficult, if things are intense, if things are complicated, they normally don't find their way into the normal rhythm of our life. And we tend to overcomplicate things. And one of the, the lies of the enemy that he wants to bring uh, across our path is that prayer should be something that's very complicated, it's very difficult. That's, and, and so it becomes something difficult and hard that we don't participate in. So we've got we've to keep it simple we got to keep it real because life is going to come at you and, and there's going to be things that hurt. There's going to be moments where you feel disappointed. There's going to be times when people let you down. There's going to be times when you let yourself down. And it's in those moments, if we're not careful, that we can begin to pull away. We can begin to shy away uh, and pull back and, and, and lose this rhythm of, of prayer in our life. And, and, but in order for God to move, we have to keep it real. We have to be willing to take those areas unto the Lord over and over again. And then we have to keep it up Because life is not lived on autopilot, is it? We all know that. Remember the old infomercials that used to say, set it and forget it. You remember that? I mean, you know, life don't work that way, right? You can't just set it and forget it. You have to be engaged, and your spiritual life is the same way. If we're going to make prayer a part of who we are, there's choices that we have to make today, and then we have to keep making those choices day in and day out. So keep it simple keep it real keep it up. Let's start with number 1, keep it simple. Have any of you guys ever seen one of those shows that's like a rescue a restaurant show? Like one of these shows where there's a guy like like Gordon Ramsay or or Robert Irvine and they come into these restaurants. These these uh, these these guys who are like restaurant successful guys, they come into these restaurants that are failing, and most of the time, because it's a television show and they're, they're you know they're going for ratings, these restaurants that they're going into are a hot mess. Like they are, they're just a complete disaster. There's all sorts of issues. Uh, the staff is fighting, especially if if it's like full of like it's a family owned restaurant with family staff. Like there's all sorts of messes there. Um, normally, there's like a moment in the show where they're like looking into the refrigerators and look and like stuff is just gross and nasty and dirty and unclean, and the systems are messed up and. And a lot of times they have all this debt because the restaurant's failing and they're dead up to their eyeballs And so these guys come in and they begin to start working with them to try to rescue this restaurant Not necessarily to fix all the problems because they can't always do that, but at least get them going in the right direction And I've noticed something a few times. I've caught these shows and when I've caught them I've noticed something a lot of times these restaurants will have these menus that are massive like tons of like 200 plus items on their menu And these restaurateur guys will be like, hey, guys, this is way too much. We're going to scale this way, way back. We're going to do a lot less stuff, but we're going to do the stuff we're doing. The few things we're going to do, we're going to do them really well. And So here's the principle. It's true for restaurants, and it's true for our life. The more you're trying to do everything, the less likely you will be good at doing anything. That's why we say, keep it simple, right? I have a saying here at New Song Church. I tell our staff this all the time. Let's do less well. In other words... You know, as a church, we have all sorts of needs that we see in our city. We have all sorts of needs that are being brought to us by people within our church. And, and one, it's important that we take the time to say, God, what are you saying to us? Because we know we're not here to do everything, but what is the thing that you've called us to do? We want to hear from you. We want to move based on your rhythm for our church. And then once we make a decision, then we say, okay, how do we do this? We may not be able to fix everything in one moment, but what can we do? Let's do a few things really well. And then once we're nailing those things, then we'll add on to the next thing. Do less well. Keep it simple. Stupid, right? And, and what's true for us in our spiritual life, what's true for the church, what's true for us in our regular life is also true for prayer. We have to keep it. We have to keep it simple. And one of the things I love about Jesus is that Jesus simplified things. Jesus was all about simplifying things. If you look at the life of Jesus, I'll give you a few case and points. Jesus simplified forgiveness. You guys remember how complicated forgiveness was before Jesus. In order to be forgiven, you had to have this lamb that you would sacrifice, right? And, and in order to raise this lamb, because it had to be perfect and spotless, you, a sheep would give birth to a lamb and you had to like take it, find one that was perfect. And then you had to keep it in your house like a pet almost. So imagine taking like, we have a French bulldog. Imagine that we have her for like six months and we have to take her to the temple to be murdered. Like that would be brutal, right? But this is what they were having to do. They have this little pet that they love and then they have to go sacrifice it. And if it wasn't perfect, if everything wasn't done perfect, it wouldn't, and it didn't even eradicate their sins. It just covered their sins. But if they didn't do everything right, it didn't work. And they only had one shot at this a year. Complicated, right? But what does Jesus do? He comes along and Jesus becomes the perfect spotless lamb who dies on the cross for our sins once and for all. And now because of Jesus, things are simplified. You can simply call upon the name of the Lord and you can be saved. Jesus simplified forgiveness. Jesus simplified relationship with God. Before Jesus, you couldn't have a personal relationship with God. You had to have somebody that that would meet with God for you and that would speak to you on behalf of God. You couldn't even have a personal relationship. And now, through Jesus, we can have a personal relationship. You can talk to God. God can talk to you. You can be led by the Spirit of God. Jesus simplified obedience. In, In Matthew chapter 22, this Pharisee comes to Jesus one day and he says, What's the most important commandment? And when he says this, he's not just saying of the 10, what's the most important. He's actually saying of the 600, because you see the Pharisees had taken the original 10 and they had added and added and added and added to the point that now there's 600 commandments that they're saying you have to follow each and every one of them perfectly in order to be right with God. And so Jesus takes 600 and he brings them down to two. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus simplified things. And Jesus simplified prayer. In fact, in Matthew 6, I told you to turn there, before he gives the disciples the prototype prayer, that they're to model their prayer life after, before he gives them that, he actually warns them against overcomplicating prayer. He says this, look at this, Matthew 6. I'm gonna read this part, 7 and 8, out of the message translation because I just like the way it says it. It says, The world is full of so-called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant. They're full of formulas and programs and advice, peddling techniques, for getting what you want from God. Don't fall for that nonsense. This is, and look, notice this next part. If you have a physical Bible, I would encourage you to highlight this, put stars beside this next sentence. For your, this is your father you are dealing with. This is your father you're dealing with. And he knows better than you what you need. And then Jesus gives us the model prayer, the Lord's Prayer. And we're going to recite this together. So I'm going to invite you to go ahead, if you wouldn't, would you stand up on your feet? Jesus says, In this manner, therefore, pray. Say it with me Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You may be seated. Jesus, having just championed the simplicity in prayer, then gives this this simple, quick, prototype prayer that you can recite in 30 seconds and then can fit into, the entirety of it can fit into a tweet. In its original Aramaic, too, uh, it was only 31 words long, and it actually rhymed. Jesus simplifies prayer to the point that it it becomes so simplified with this little timeless, profound prayer. uh, The smallest child amongst us can memorize it, and yet it can sustain a lifetime of meaningful prayer for each and every one of us. Jesus kept it simple, and so my encouragement to you is don't overcomplicate it. When you pray, it's not about a certain tone of prayer that you have to get into in order to pray. Like, you don't have to do that. You don't have to pray in King James English with these and thous. You don't have to have your eyes closed. You don't have to step into a particular prayer position. You don't have to go through ceremonial cleansing in order to, to pray to the Lord. You just simply come to the Lord and you pray. And you pray. There are rules of engagement, obviously. There's certain things that we, we can do to help us better position our heart to connect with God in prayer and, and things that we can understand about the Bible and how to pray uh, the right way. And we're gonna talk about some of that stuff through this series, but understand this. Listen, when you're going to God in prayer, you're not trying to crack a safe. It's not about finding like this perfect formula so God will actually answer your prayer or, or, or break the code. No, 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 listen. It's not about what you do. It's about what Jesus has done. Your prayers are not accepted because you find a way to get yourself all figured out before the Lord. No, no, your prayers are accepted because of the blood of Jesus. Hebrews 10 says it like this, verse 19, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence, notice this confidence we can have to enter into the most holy place. What's the most holy place? It's the place where the presence of God is. You can enter into and have fellowship in the presence of God. Why? Because of this, because of the blood of Jesus. It's not by works, so no man can boast. So listen, keep it simple. And notice what Jesus says in Matthew 6 when he's talking about how we come to the Lord in prayer. He says, remember, this is your father you're dealing with. Don't forget that prayer is simply a child talking to a father. I love how John Stott says it. He says, the essence of prayer lies in the simplicity of a child speaking to their father, opening their heart and sharing their deepest concerns and joys. You know, I have, I have three kids. And when my kids come to me, in order for them to come and to speak to their father, they don't have to go through a ceremonial cleansing. <laughs> they don't have to come to me and, and phrase things in exact way in order for me to accept it. No, no, no. They just simply, I, I am a father who loves them. So they can come to me and they can talk to me and I simply want to commune with them. That's the heart of God towards you. He is a father who loves you. So keep it simple. Here's number two, keep it real keep it real look at the person beside you say keep it real in Luke 18 Jesus tells this story about these two these two individuals who are coming to who are praying and both of them have issues right and we have issues don't we look at the person beside you say you got issues we have issues from time to time okay now stop talking (laughs) we're gonna have an issue if you don't stop that okay but there's issues, right? We all have issues. These guys have issues. And, and yet what we see in scripture is one of them is, is willing to bring their issues before the Lord and the other one is hiding. Look at this, verse 10. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I am not like these other people, cheaters, sinners, adulterers. How many of you prayed prayer like that sometimes? Thank you, God, I ain't like that guy over there, man. He goes on to say, I'm certainly not like that tax collector. You see the pride, like you can just see in this, there's obviously some issues with this guy, one of which is very apparent, he has pride, right? And so here's this guy praying in public, praying, and and a lot of people would look at him and say, man, he's he's checking all the, the religious boxes and he thinks he is too, and yet he's not really being real here. And it says this in verse 13, but the tax collector stood at a distance and dare not even lift up his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow saying, oh God, be merciful to me for I am a sinner. And then Jesus, the son of God, who is God says this, I tell you this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. Why? Because he was real with God. Listen, church, this is, you might want to write this down. Jesus can't fix the problems you pretend not to have and the person you pretend not to be. Jesus can't fix the problems you pretend not to have and the person you pretend not to be. You've got to be real with the Lord. Jesus can't heal a fake version of you. He can't help a fake version of you. So be real. And understand, Jesus can handle your realness. God can handle you being real with Him. And just so you know, God is God. And because He's God, He's omniscient, which means He knows everything. He already knows what's going on with you. He knows what you're frustrated with. He knows what you're angry about. He knows about the anger that you hold against Him. He knows about what you're afraid of. He knows that He knows whatever it is that you're dealing with, He knows about it. In fact, He's more in touch with what's really going on with you than you are, just so you know. So just be real with him. He wants to help you in those areas, but in order for him to do it, you have to be real with him because he can't help you in an area where you're not being real. He can't. In fact, look back at what it says in Matthew 6. Jesus, remember, he's teaching them how to pray. He's talking about how this works in prayer and he gives us some insight into how prayer works with the Lord. He says, for your father knows the things you have need of before you ask. And then he says in verse nine, in this manner, therefore pray. Now this is interesting. He says, God already knows what you have need of, but you still have to pray. Now, remember, God is a father, right? And He is a loving father. And when I say loving, like understand, God is love. It's not just something He does, it's not just the emotion He has. It is the essence of who He is. We only know love because we know God. So He is love. He's a father, and yet He, he knows about a need, and He won't move on the need until He's invited into the need. Now, that, I find that interesting. I'm a father, and, and I love my kids. I, I, and if I know they have a need, not like a want, but a need, like if they come to me and they say, dad, I got a toothache and they don't have to say another, like, would you please call the dentist on my behalf, father? They don't have to do that. I, I'm go- they know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go straight to their mom and I'm going to say, Hey, you need to call the dentist because these kids <laughs> just being real, right? Just being real. That's how it works. But but they know, like if they have a need, if I know my kids have a need and I can help them and meet them in their area of need, I'm gonna move on their behalf because I'm a loving father. And yet, God is obviously a more loving father than me. So why is it that if he knows your need, he won't move on it until you invite him into it? Well, here's, here's why it's this way: because prayer is a legally established channel through which God interacts with us on earth. Prayer is legal can God do whatever he wants? Yes and no. Yeah, that's right. Because the way he has set it up and established it is in order for him to interact in your life, in order for him to move in your world, you have to participate in that with him by inviting him in. And that's what prayer does. Prayer is an extends the invitation unto the Lord. Prayer accomplishes extending an invitation so God can come in and move. If you want to see God move in your finances, in your health, in salvation. Think about that. It's the will of God that all would be saved, isn't it? But there are people who are going to die and go to hell. You know why? Because they didn't receive of that gift. They didn't give God the invitation, hey, come and be the Lord of my life. And so they miss out on that. You have to extend the invitation unto the Lord. So so that's what being real does. It extends invitations into those areas. So when you're not being real with God, understand where you're not being real with God, you're holding back God. Where, where you're holding back in prayer, you're holding back God for moving in that area of your life. So keep it real. And let me also say this. God is not waiting for you to get everything figured out and be perfect before you can come to him in prayer. Sometimes I'll talk to people and they're like, well, I would pray, but I feel kind of bad because I messed up. I feel like a hypocrite because I've sinned. I've, I've done this thing. I've, and, and so I just feel like I'm being a fake if then I go to God in prayer. Well, remember the story we just read about the Pharisee and the tax collector? The Pharisee in the story is inauthentic. Why? Because he has areas in his life that he needs to be dealing with. He has issues, and he won't bring those before the Father. But the tax collector, the Bible says, and so what happens to the Pharisee? He doesn't receive from God. But the tax collector is genuine because he brings what's really going on unto the Lord. And the Bible says that he returned home justified before God. Notice that when he comes to the Lord with his issues, God's going, Hey, whoa, 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 how dare you come and try to talk to me? You have issues, dude. Stay away. God doesn't do that. God rewards him for being authentic. And so what we see in scripture, what Jesus teaches us here is it's not hypocritical to bring your struggles, your sins, your issues to God in prayer. It's actually hypocritical not to. And just so you know, by the way, it's, it's only through bringing that stuff to the Lord that you can receive the help that you need. Yeah, right. So in the area where you're not bringing it before the Lord, you're, you're holding back God from doing what he wants to do. If you want to see God participate and help you and strengthen you and help you move beyond the stuff you're struggling with, you have to bring it to the Lord. Now, now obviously, if you are getting ready to go to God in prayer and, and the Holy Spirit highlights something to you, like, man, I need to forgive this person over there then you need to go and forgive that person. Or if it's like, God, man, you, you, know, you looked at porn earlier today, well, then you need to deal with that. You need to go confess that to the Lord and ask for forgiveness. You need to maybe confess it to a brother or sister in Christ. You need to deal with these things before you go to God in prayer. But also understand this. If you are waiting till you, till, till you are just perfect before you go to God in prayer, you will never pray. Because there's always going to be motives that are off, there's, are, there's going to be things that you ask for that are not really in line with the will of God, that are kind of out of step with what He wants to do. Understand this, though. God is big enough to handle that stuff. I just like, if, again, a father to a child. If my children came to me and they asked me for something, and, it, and I would go, you know what? That's not best. I actually would rather give you something better than that, or you're not ready for that yet. Like I can handle that, but, but them asking puts me in a position where now I can recognize, okay, this is an area I can move in, in some way in their life. So, so that, here's what that means. Go to God and pray and just, just ask, connect with him and ask. And if you, if you're asking the wrong thing, understand God's big enough to handle that and to navigate giving you the right thing. So just go to the Lord in prayer, ask God to help you. God isn't looking for perfect prayers. He's not looking for perfect people in prayer. He's simply looking for real prayers. So be real with the Lord. Charles Spurgeon says this. He says, It's not the arithmetic of our prayers, how many they may be, nor the rhetoric of our prayers, how eloquent they may be, nor the geometry of our prayers, how long they may be, nor the music of our prayers, how sweet our voice may be, nor the logic of our prayers, how argumentative they may be, nor the method of our prayers, how orderly they may be, nor the divinity of our prayers, how good they may be, which God cares for. Fervency of spirit is that which availeth much. You're not always going to get it right, but just keep going after it. Just go to the Lord and pray and talk to God about your life. God's big enough to handle your wrong motives, your your impure, what's pure and what's impure. He's big enough to handle all that. So just come to God and talk to God about what's going on. Talk to him about what you're afraid of. Talk to him about what you're excited about. Talk to God like a friend. Ask him questions. Make requests unto the Lord. T- tell God about your, your fears and frustrations and everything in between. Just simply go and talk to God and keep it real. Bring before Him what's going, what's really going on in your life and in your heart. Keep it simple. Keep it real. And here's number three. Keep it up. Keep it up. Because no, no matter how simple we may keep it, no matter how authentic we may keep it, there will be times when you may feel like you're praying and it's just not going the way you wanted it to. There's gonna be times that you're praying and it feels like nothing's happen- happening. There's gonna be times when life starts to hit you and busyness creeps in and you start to drift away, even though you had good intentions and you were for a while doing pretty good, you're gonna to start to drift away from the rhythm of this if you don't keep it up. You can't just keep it simple and keep it real. You also, like Jesus says, always pray and never give up. Keep it up. I like how Frank Laubach talks about prayer. This is such a great illustration of what, how prayer can work sometimes. He says, prayer is like throwing rocks into a swamp. People think you are crazy. You think you're crazy. Each prayer just disappears under the water and out of sight. It feels like you're wasting your time, but keep going long enough. Keep throwing rocks and the swamp will eventually be filled. One day a rock will be thrown that will not sink. Solid ground will appear and you can walk across. Don't give up on prayer too soon. And one of the most important, I think, disciplines or practices we can put into our life to help us to make, to to move beyond a person who's just throwing prayer around a little bit to becoming a person of prayer is the discipline and the practice of quiet time, quiet time with the Lord. Or, Or let me say it like this, we make space, we make space, we make room we set apart a time in our life, in our day, multiple times within our days, so that we can make room and invite the Lord into those moments. In Mark chapter 6, Jesus gives an incredible invitation to us. Look at this with me. Mark 6, 31, come with me privately to a solitary place and let us rest for a while. Isn't that awesome? And I believe that that invitation still stands, church, that that's still available to us. Jesus wants to retreat with you. He wants to get away with you where it's just you and him so he can talk to you, so he can bring rest to you, bring rest to your soul, so he can minister to you. But sadly, a lot of people miss out on this because we just simply don't make room for it or we, we make room, but we drift because over time, because we didn't establish some, some practices and some disciplines, we drift away from it over time. Pete Gregg says this. He says, "Here is a great and inescapable truth taught in Scripture, modeled by Christ and advocated without exception by all the heroes of our faith. You cannot grow in your prayer, in prayer, without some measures of effort and discomfort." Self-discipline and self-denial. Just as you cannot get physically fit without regular exercise and a healthy diet, so your spiritual growth will be determined to a very significant extent by prayer exercises you choose or do not choose to establish and sustain. Here's the thing. Anything that you, you really value, you will schedule time for it. Anything, and listen, anyone. Because you may feel some butterflies up front but how do you know, they don't always stay there. I, I remember when, uh, when Sarah and I first started getting to know each other, dating and kind of building our relationship, we entered eventually into this, this stage called infatuation. Yeah, some of you giggling because you know. You've, got, you, you've been there. Uh, psychologists call this stage the cocaine stage of relationship. Because, and I quote, in the early stages of infatuation, individuals often experience a rush of dopamine, a neurotransmitter associated with pleasure and reward, creating a euphoria reminiscent of a drug-induced high. And let me just tell you, I was there. I was, I was high on some Sarah. It was powerful. I just, I just longed for her. I wanted to see her face, her face. I wanted to see it. I wanted to smell her hair. I wanted to hear her voice. I did, ah! It was a thing. It was a thing. I remember, and this is, the guys, this is 20 plus years ago, right? So it was a different day and age. Sarah didn't even have a cell phone. We had landlines and we talked that way. We had to like actually talk on a phone or we would do uh, AOL Instant Messenger. Anybody remember that? Spent a lot of time on AOL Instant Messenger. Getting that router going. I hear that today and it's like love is in the air. But I... But I remember I, I went away with my parents. We went to Dallas to spend, um, it was at Christmas time. We were going to Dallas to kind of spend a couple of days shopping and eating and just kind of seeing, you know, having some Christmas time up there. And I had a friend going with me, but me going there meant I was going to be away from Sarah for a few days. I'd been getting my hits every day and now I'm not going to get a hit. <laughs> and I remember in the van, like driving out there and just being like, oh my gosh, like what, like having some like serious, like. I want, I, I, I just want to talk to her. I just want to see her. I just want to. And then I remember being at the Galleria mall and shopping and looking around. And yet the whole time I'm just like, Oh, to the point that I had, I, I actually went to a payphone and I had to give her a call just to hear her voice. I know. Right. <laughs> and then that night I, I, I've seriously, I remember laying in the bed in my hotel bed. And I remember just thinking, I'm in love. Like that's when it hit me. I think I'm in love. This is this is love. This is real. This is love. This is it. It was powerful. And we just, I just wanted to be with her. Wanted to hear her voice. We just talk. I actually got uh, we had landlines, so we talk on the phone. And I actually got tired of like holding up a receiver all the time, so I got a headset, so I could just be making a sandwich and talking to Sarah, doing whatever. But we would talk until we couldn't talk anymore. And then we would do all the stuff that you young people would say is cringy. We would do that. We would be on the phone just like, I'm out of words, but I don't wanna hang up. Let's just, let's just breathe. <laughs> and then it's like, we, be- okay, it's time to go. All right, we better hang up. Okay, well, you hang up. No, you hang up. Okay, one, two, three, hang up. You didn't hang up, did you? I didn't hang up, yeah. So cringy, right? You know, a lot's changed since then. It's not like that anymore. But it's a lot better. Now, now here's the thing. There's maybe some of you young people in here. Maybe you're in the throes of infatuation right now and you're going, "Man, it's sad that you don't have that anymore because we have this and it'll never go away." What we have is real and this is going to stand the test of time and this will always feel this way. Well, you're wrong. <laughs> it won't. And, the, and, and here's the problem is that when that goes away, a lot of people build relationship on that. And so when that goes away, they drift. And, and now they start looking for their next hit in this relationship over here or this, this thing over here or whatever. And this is why marriages fail and end is because people just think, well, it's just, it should just always feel like butterflies and rainbows and kittens, but it doesn't. And so what has today, Sarah and I, even though that was, that was fun, what we have today is way better than what we had then. Like I, I know how to love her better today than I did then. I know how to serve her better today than I did then. I know how to apologize better today than I did then. I've grown, and, and, but one of the reasons why we've been able to grow is because there have been disciplines and practices that we have built into our relationship to keep us close. Because we're busy. We got three kids and we got a church that we, we lead. Like we got a lot going on. And if we're not careful, if we don't put some disciplines into our life, we can go weeks, even months without having had some, some real time to be together, to invest and look at each other eye to eye and connect with each other. Again, Pete Gregg says this, delight without discipline eventually, inevitably dissipates. When we delight and discipline relationships, they thrive, mature, and endure. And in the same way that a good marriage, a good relationship needs some disciplines, needs some practices, needs some, some things built into it, the same is true for our spiritual walk with God and so the same is true for your prayer life. Think about Jesus. If anyone could have said, what I got with God is real. I don't need disciplines. I'm always connected with God. We, we have this incredible relationship. If anyone could have said that, it was Jesus. But what we see in the life of Jesus, what he modeled was not that I don't need this. What he modeled was I'm gonna get away because I need to be with the Lord. I need some one-on-one time with the Lord. And so he valued that and he built that into his life and he built it into his day. And it wasn't just once a day, it was all throughout his day. So, So how do we do this? You ready? Ready? I don't know. Like for you personally, I don't know. And and in fact, as I was putting this message together, at one point I was thinking, okay, I'm gonna give them like, you know, practical steps into how to build a quiet time and how to build these rhythms into their life. But I really felt like the Holy Spirit said, no, don't do that. You just encourage them to come to me and ask me and help me so that I can speak specifically into their life what I want them to do. Because I I could try to give you direction into this, but your life is different than mine. What may work for you may not work for me. and What may work for me may not work for you. And I, can, I could argue that you could do it early in the morning and that's the best time. And I could show you scripture where Jesus did that. I could, I could show you times where Jesus did this at night. I could show you times where Jesus did this through the day. I think at the end of the day, here's what we see in the life of Jesus is that getting away with the Lord was something that was happening throughout his life, throughout his day. And so what's the Holy Spirit saying to you? What do you need to do to build the quiet into your life so that you can escape and be with the Lord? So that you can quiet the, the outside noise but beyond that, also quiet the inner noise. Because how many of you know? Like, I, I find it sometimes I'm going to the Lord in prayer, and it's in that moment that my mind gets really sharp. And I start remembering all the other stuff I need to be doing right now. <laughs> so you know that's the devil, right? Trying to distract you. So what are you going to have to do? What are you going to need to do in order to quiet yourself so that you can keep it up? So that you can keep it simple, keep it real, and keep it, keep it up. The New Song Church, what if this works? Like, what if we really believe that this could work? And what if it's that that time you spend alone with the lord in the morning maybe it's that time that you go on a walk you choose to go on a walk at your lunch break and spend some time in prayer what if it's that time on your commute as you're driving somewhere where you you quiet down your car and you spend that time in prayer with the lord what if it's that time at the end of the day where you you bring your day before the lord and you pray and you ask god to be with you and to help you to get sweet rest and you invite him to speak to you throughout the night what if what if it's out of these moments that god changes everything what if it's out of that that your marriage gets turned around? What if it's out of that that your parenting gets turned around? What if it's out of that that your business gets turned around? What if it's out of that that you actually come to commune with the one who created everything, who wants to be with you in your life? What if it's really true? I think it's worth trying, isn't it? Second Chronicles seven fourteen says, "If my people, are you a my people? If my people who are called by my name, are you called by the name of Jesus? Will humble themselves and pray and seek my face." Notice, it's not just seeking the handouts. We're talking about moving beyond more of this, like, hey, God, here's my list, but seeking a connection with God. The Bible says that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You know what the reward is? It's him. Instead of just trying to get a bunch of stuff from God, why don't you just try to get to God? Just try to invite him into your life, and then you get him. Listen, all the other stuff is gonna pan out, I promise you. Seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. In other other words, hey, there's stuff in me that needs to change. I'm I'm gonna make some decisions. I'm gonna turn from that stuff. Look at this promise. Then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. Boy, we need some of that, don't we? But notice, if, if, my people, if, they'll turn, if, they'll pray, if, Will you be a person who will pray? Will you be the kind of person who will invite the Holy Spirit in and say, Lord, show me where I've overcomplicated this. Show me where I've drifted. Show me how to keep it simple, Lord. Show me, Lord, where I'm not keeping it real with you. Show me the things in my life that I need to bring to you and I need to bring in into the light so I can I can find what where am I holding back from you, Lord? And I'm actually holding myself back. And, and then, Lord, how do I keep this up? Holy Spirit, show me the rhythm by which I can build my day so that prayer becomes a practice that I live into each and every day. So I move beyond being the person who just kind of throws some prayers around to being a person of prayer. My friends, God wants you to be a person of prayer. And prayer is for today. And prayer is for you. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? And I'm gonna ask you to do something. I'm gonna ask you to take a moment here and just quiet yourself. And I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me today in this message? And we're just gonna be quiet for a moment and just listen. Lord, I thank you that your sheep hear your voice. You speak to them and you lead us. And so I pray, Lord, that out of this moment and out of this posture right here, God, you would continue to speak to us even after we leave this room throughout this week as we we go before you and we start saying, God, teach us to pray. I pray that you would help each and every one of us to learn and to develop the structure that we need to create in our life so that we can do what you're telling us to do today, to keep it simple, keep it real, and keep it up, Lord God. And Lord, I'm so grateful for the blood of Jesus. I'm so grateful for the work of the cross and what you did to make it possible for us to have a connection with you today, Lord. So grateful that we can boldly come to a throne of grace, not because we're perfect, because we're not, but because of what you did, Jesus. And so Lord, I pray that we would be emboldened in faith to come before you, to connect with you, to seek you, and in seeking you to bring you our life in such a way, Lord, that even if we know we're not perfect and we're not praying perfect prayers, God, you can take all that and as our loving Father, shape it into something that can make a difference. We love you and we praise you. We thank you for what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would, church, would you stand with me? I'm gonna invite our prayer team to come down at this time. If you're here today and you have a prayer need of some kind, we would love to pray with you. We would love to, to join our faith with you for whatever it is you're believing for. This is a... This is a practice of, of prayer right here, coming together with other believers and joining our faith with them. So I wanna encourage you, if you've got something going on in your life, something that would you would say, if I walk out of here with this today, I'm walking out with a burden, don't do that. I want to encourage you to leave it here and, and, and let us join with you for whatever you're believing for. Maybe you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. We'd love to to help you lead you in a prayer and, and help you get in the right direction on that. Maybe you need uh, health in your body. Maybe you got a surgery coming up. Maybe there's something going on in, in your finances. You need a breakthrough there. Maybe there's a request that you feel like God has put on your heart. And by the way, let me just say, I, I've really felt led as we've been, as I've been praying over this series and thinking about this to say, I, I know there's some prayers in this room that are big. There's some stuff on some of your hearts that's big. And my encouragement to you is Ask big you have a loving father and let's ask big and let's just believe. And I believe it's, we're going to see, I believe we're going to get some testimonies throughout this series of I started praying and God started speaking to me. I started praying and this breakthrough happened. I started praying and all of a sudden everything turned around. What, what if it, it's on the other side of some asks? So let's be bold and let's ask and don't leave with a burden today. Lord, I pray for every person in this room. I pray Lord that, that you would embolden people. If there's any needs in this room that they would not leave with those needs, but they would leave those needs at the altar with you, Lord God. I pray that you would embolden everybody to step out in faith so they can receive all you have for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening. For more information on our church or for more resources to help you grow in your faith, Go to newsongpeople.com or download our app by searching for Newsong Church OKC in the app store.